Hello, friends. I just wanted to hop in before you actually started the episode to say I had planned on talking about magic, my experience with it, and how it affects society on a larger whole, but I somehow became very long-winded and diatrobic and focused mostly on myself. And instead of extending the episode to two hours, I'm a lazy fuck. I'm going to give you the first half today, and tomorrow we'll get into the more textbook things involving magic. But either way, I hope you guys enjoy the show. Thank you very much for your support. Love in and of itself is magic. You know, I was asked, uh, how does love fit into the practice of magic? Whenever we are drawing in that divine substance, when we are inhaling that light, absorbing chi from the universe and using it to manifest the lives that we're wanting to manifest for ourselves, for our loved ones, when we want to heal someone who's sick, when we want to send them healing energy, everything we're sending them is love. One easy practice that we can all try on a normal daily basis, it's very simple. It's just called charging water. And the reason I like it so much is because it can be used for pretty much any purpose you can think of from prosperity to health to bringing more love into your life. And the only thing it involves, the only thing you have to do is take a glass of water and hold it between your hands. You close your eyes, focus on the gold energy center that's right in the center of your chest, right about where your heart is. It looks like the sun at noon. And as we inhale, we're gonna draw chi in. We're gonna draw in energy from the universe around us. We're gonna hold it. And then as we exhale, we allow the energy to run down our arms, out our hands, and into the glass of water. You see the water shining as brilliant as you can possibly make it glow. The water becomes full of gold light, full of divine substance. You just concentrate for a moment on what it is you're wanting to achieve or accomplish, and then you drink it. Hello, scumbags and scumbaggots. Welcome back to the Scumbag Diaries podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Maggard, and we have a wonderful show for you this evening. Now, the voice that you heard at the beginning of this episode was not mine. However, If you have listened to all of the previous episodes of the Scumbag Diaries, then you might have recognized it. Though the last time you heard that man's voice, he was in a much darker place, and his tone was much more somber. That, my friends, was none other than Damien Eccles, one of the West Memphis Three. Damien has since made his living as a teacher of magic. He has written two books on the subject, one called High Magic, and a follow-up book called Angels and Archangels. Today we are not here to discuss Damien, however, we are going to discuss magic. Now, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary classifies magic as the use of means, such as charms or spells, believed to have a supernatural power over natural forces. It also says that magic is the art of producing illusions by sleight of hand. To differentiate between illusion magic and sleight of hand and stage magicians, David Copperfield, things like that, we spell magic 
as far as the esoteric occult actually affecting the reality we live in with magic. We, we spell that with a K, which is sort of a, an archaic way to spell it, and honestly, it just looks cooler and is more aesthetically appealing when you see magic with a K on a book, or it just, it just sort of separates the pack. You don't have to spell magic with a K if you practice magic or are interested in it, but it's the hip thing to do. Today, we're going to talk more about how I view magic and the way magic has impacted culture, where magic stands today as far as the eyes of society is concerned and things like that. As far as I'm concerned, the only people who don't believe in magic are people who haven't practiced magic or who have no idea that they have practiced magic. For instance, if you go to a Christian church, any of the sects, you've practiced magic. You've practiced ritual. The eating of the Eucharist in Catholicism, that is a magic ritual representing the transmogrification of a deity into flesh on this earthly plane, which you then imbibe. That is an archetypical story tied throughout all religions. The drinking of the wine, the sacrament, that is a ritual. And it goes far, far deeper than that. In fact, most of the magical rituals within Christianity were lost. Sometimes within the Christian religions, you'll hear the word tabernacle. What that refers to is there was a tent back in the day where people would gather to worship in the early days of Christianity. And in the back of the tent, there was this little flap-sealed room where the person who was leading the ceremonies would go in, and they had this giant fire. They would throw bricks of hash, drink wine, and throw bits of the acacia bush onto this fire and, and basically form a sweat lodge in the back. And the acacia book is incredibly potent for DMT. Now basically these guys would go into the back of the tent, they would imbibe in psychoactive chemicals and they would come out and they would give divine messages directly from God. And you're wondering what do drugs have to do with magic and that is a good question. And it really depends on how you look at things. For instance, Crowley believed that drugs helped the magician cross the abyss so to speak and he used cocaine and heroin in ritual throughout the majority of his life. However, the uses of substance in magic ritual is a topic that we will save for a later date. Today, we will just talk about, as I said, my experience with magic, what I believe it is, and how I believe it can be utilized to move us forward exponentially, both spiritually and on the physical plane. If someone were to come up to me and ask me, Chris, what is magic in your opinion? My answer would vary probably from day to day because it's a concept that you can't necessarily grasp in one lifetime let alone many lifetimes but the short answer is magic is god or energy or rather that magic is energy however energy is god i believe that as i've stated before the ethereal and the ephemeral coexist interwoven with that with one another throughout the entirety of time. I think that the, the Tower of Babel story has a lot more to do with our reality than just an allegory for people with differing views or languages. I think that magic is something 
that shows up in all walks of life, in Christianity and Hinduism and Buddhism and every theology or sect of any religion, magic is there. It just goes by a different name. Now, if we were to talk about the occult, the occult just means hidden, right? Now, why is magic and occult always used synonymously? That is because magic is hidden. I said in my last episode that if you were to go to a clergyman, a priest, or a pastor, or whatever the fuck you want to call them, and ask them about magic, none of them would say magic didn't exist or it wasn't real. They would just say magic is dangerous. And it is. But the real reason magic is dangerous boils down to one thing. Magic does not discriminate. Magic worked for Jesus, but magic also worked for Hitler. It does not discriminate. A saint can use magic, and a sinner can use magic. A psychopath can use magic, or a benevolent, caring, loving person who just wants to see the world elevated to a higher consciousness can use magic, and it will be just as effective for either person, depending on the amount of work they are willing to put in. And that all boils down to duality. And the reason I'm referencing Christianity so much during this episode is because on my own life's journey, on my own path to initiation into magic, it started with Christianity. And before I, I get into this short little story of how I got from A to B, I think Christianity is comprised of 30% magic, 70% bullshit. As, you know, that's just the, the way I feel about it. Like, for instance, there are, there's enough magic ritual and practice in Christianity for the congregation of a church to feel the presence of divine light, to feel the light of God enter your heart, right? But that feeling comes more from the magical ritual and the universal Godhead than the specific frame in which you're looking at God as a deity, right? My views currently are much more Gnostic in the sense that I believe that the God of the Bible is actually the Demiurgus and that he is a child, I guess, because I don't have a better word, of the overall Godhead, which we are all from. We are all different points of that. We are the dripping jewels on Indra's net at the intersection of Indra's net. But the Demiurgus, or the Demiurge, is basically an entity who has all of the souls of humanity trapped on this three-dimensional holodeck prison known as Earth, and it and its subservience, known as the Archons, are feeding on the negative energy put out by society and the human race as a whole. The shittier stuff that happens to us, the lower vibration we resonate at, the more food they have. Now, outside of this energetic prison system called life is the 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 godhead, the the oneness, the goddess Sophia and and the the initial spark that created the big bang, if you will. That all exists outside, but we are locked in here 
trying to get out, but because of the Archons and the Demiurge, we keep being tricked into a cyclical reincarnation death cycle so that they basically, like in the Matrix, have a food source for all of eternity. And if at this point you're wondering what the fuck is wrong with Chris, he is obviously insane and needs psych meds. A, you are probably correct with those assumptions, but B, the belief I just told you guys I have is just as crazy as where the story begins. When I was a young boy, I identified myself as Christian, so much so that I used to go outside at night at 3 o'clock in the morning and I would spin around this light pole in the trailer park singing songs to the heavens, to God, to Jesus. Just songs that I made up on the spot. It just sort of flowed out of me. It was a heart song, if you say. And I went to church and I, I prayed and spoke to God on a regular basis, despite all of the physical abuse that I quietly suffered alone, despite the fear that would be put into me by the church and the thought that I would be going to hell and burning for all eternity despite having a drug addict mother who would just fuck every dude she met basically while I played PlayStation in the other room. Um, despite all of the, the negative things in my life and the bad experiences that I had to deal with, I still loved God. I still felt that divine light. Whenever I was in church and we were in prayer or they were singing hymns, I still felt the presence and love of God. Later in life, once I started getting older and the abuse never stopped, the loneliness never stopped, the hatred grew and the love seceded into the, the darker, darker parts of my heart. I still felt the the love and I still felt the light but all of the other facades of Christianity started crumbling and with that I allowed the rest to fall as well. I became so embittered toward the lies and the obvious mistruths that I was told that I just let all the truth fall to the wayside and that's part of the trap. Once I, I started getting older, I started going to this thing called RAs in Kentucky, and I started asking questions about things in the Bible that didn't make sense. And instead of giving me the same, you know, oh, child, it's going to be okay, everything's going to be fine, God has a plan thing, I would, I would get, they would respond with anger. I even got kicked out of church groups. I got kicked out of these groups that were supposed to be the only people that accepted me for who I was, you know. But all of that's a facade. In fact, most Christians are some of the most judgmental people in the world. They're only going to church because of the fear that was instilled in them as a child. But the problem is, because I woke up to all of the fallacies in Christianity, I fell for the second trap they lay for us, at least in America. See, the first trap is they indoctrinate you into Christianity the way Christianity is now. They, they sprinkle just a little bit of universal truth on you, and then they force-feed you a bunch of lies until you are a mindless drone repeating the things they tell you to repeat. There is a failsafe for that plan, however. That failsafe is if you ever do happen to wake up 
to all of the lies in Christianity. Not only will you throw away the lies they were told you, but those little universal nuggets of truth. All the times you felt the presence of God, the presence of Jesus, of Yahweh, of Hashem, whatever you want to call it, all of those moments would be thrown away with all of the lies. And then what are you left with? You're left with the second trap, atheism. Just turn turn everything over to science, right? God doesn't exist. It's all fairy tales. It's a lie. It's all woo-woo-y nonsense. You were lied to. You were played. Science is the go-to. Science is the answer. Science is the new world religion. I am not saying science is wrong. I believe in science. However, I believe the closed-mindedness of people who put all the stock in science. They, they, they leave the mystical and the ethereal at the wayside because of the trap. They take all of the truth, wrap it in lies, make you disgusted by it, then you're left with the brick wall of atheism. Luckily, I broke through that brick wall. When I was a teenager, I was a militant atheist. I was pissed at the world. If anyone brought up God or any other sort of spirituality, I laughed in their fucking face. I said, science has all of the answers. Science knows everything there is to know. Science. Meanwhile, I never studied the science that I was, you know, spouting off about. And some of you say, well, Chris, if you never studied the science, then what the fuck are you talking about now? I'm not saying science is wrong. I'm saying all of the things science does not yet know could be mended if science and fucking magic were just welded together. It goes back to the very first episode, Scumbag Magicians, where we talked about Promethea and the ephemeral and the ethereal existing as one. We just do not have the lens to see it yet, going back to the lenses that I always preach about on the show. But those are the traps. First you have the trap of Christianity, and if you jump out of that, you land into the brick wall net of atheism, and by that time, people are so relieved to have come out of the lie of Christianity to have gained the gnosis that all of that was nonsense and lies and manipulation, they don't think to take a sledgehammer to this fucking brick wall they just hit. Luckily for me, in my late adolescence, that sledgehammer was handed to me in the form of psychedelic drugs. After my first experiences with psychedelic drugs, it became apparent to me that atheism was just as foolish as Christianity. To believe that we didn't come from something bigger, that there wasn't some grand designer of all of this ridiculous bullshit that we call life, is foolish. I don't think there's a bearded man in the sky fucking throwing out blueprints and having his angels fucking use their harps to things, things into existence the way that the world of Tolkien was created. I much more think that there was one lonely universal god and that he was tired of being alone, so he split his consciousness into billions and billions of fragments, dropped those motherfuckers through Indra's net into existence, and it's just one giant collective consciousness experiencing itself subjectively, just like the patron saint of the Scumbag Diaries was trying to tell us before he tragically passed away, Bill Hicks. But I suppose at this point I should get on with my own magical journey and talk about magic and how it affects the rest of the world. My entire life I was subject to strange things happening, whether that be instances of near-death experience from when I died of a fever to precognitive 
things happening, dreaming things before they happen, fucking crazy bouts of deja vu, having a very strong intuition that is damn near never wrong, um, being able to sense the emotions of others, all those things, has always sort of been in the in my wheelhouse. Now, I just assumed all those things were in everyone's wheelhouse, and that was just a natural part of being a human, which some might argue is just other people may or may not have had those things unlocked. Perhaps all of the disassociation from the childhood trauma and the physical abuse that I suffered as a child allowed me to disassociate and break the programming somehow to access the fucking card shark that is magic and the, the cheat code to the universe so to speak perhaps it's a reincarnation thing once you reincarnate so many times you unlock special abilities or you can prestige in life and level up quicker or something like that I'm not sure how it works but I've always been around the weird it's always been popping up in my life strange things strange events strange people stuff like that but when it really sort of took hold and I started realizing what was happening was after I had already lived a couple of lives at this point. You see, I moved around a lot as a kid. Every six months, I would find myself in a new place. Most of the time, moving between Brevard County, Florida, and Laurel County, Kentucky, with various places in between, like Chicago, Illinois, Champaign, Illinois, Alabama, Georgia. I lived in Atlanta. I've lived pretty much all over the lower eastern side of the United States. Because I moved a lot as a child, I never really had a set group of friends that I could interact with for a prolonged period of time. At this point, Facebook didn't exist, MySpace didn't exist. Like, the only way to keep in contact with people was with addresses or phone numbers and hope that they didn't change their phone or move. Um, so every time I would move, up until later in life when I moved back to Florida and all of my friends from elementary school remembered me eventually uh, I would have to entertain my way through the anxiety of moving like I would always sort of throw myself out as an entertainer whether that would be performing magic not ceremonial magic or anything but actual sleight of hand magic or whether that was telling jokes or being humorous mostly at the expense of myself but I was never necessarily an outcast anywhere that I was I was always accepted by the majority of people I could walk around at any lunch table of any cafeteria of any school that I attended and pretty much sit down with anyone and talk to them I've always brought out things in people for instance my entire life people would tell me things that they never told anyone else right after meeting me it's very easy for people to confide in me shit like that happened all over never meant anything to me until as an adult when I was going through probably the worst time of my life my mother was shooting up opanas and had a bunch of neo-nazis living in her house I had just gotten out of the psych ward and needed a safe place to go and I thought that would be my mother's however when I arrived I found a bunch of neo-nazis and heroin needles in my little sister's closet and it was uh it just sort of I jumped out of the frying pan and into the fire there I'd been struggling with addiction and uh, and various other things it was a very dark time and place for me uh, which all culminated in me leaving going back to Florida and 
diving back into my drug use and old habits until I basically threw a duffel bag out my window, hopped on a plane, and fled the state again. And after leaving the state of Florida that time, I have not been back. But I digress. Once I returned from my cocaine bender in Florida and was back with my family who did nothing except extort me and and basically lie to me and rob me over and over again. The deterioration of my psyche and the, deteriora the deterioration of my spirit began rapidly accelerating. I was essentially an alchemical experiment and I, this was the the fucking solve part of solvent coagula as far as the alchemy of my life was. I was being broken down by these experiences and by this negativity and all of this whirlwind of just dark, bad hatred, pain, betrayal, bullshit into the base components that made me me. And I was essentially a hollow shell. And... This all culminated with me beating the shit out of my mother's boyfriend and going to jail. Well, when I got out of jail, I was picked up by a good friend of mine and I was brought to his home, which was an intentional community and a bio-organic farm. This place was a sanctuary to me. I, I started working with my hands in the dirt, although not at first. I literally spent like a month just sulking in my friend's bedroom playing video games while the rest of the people who lived on the farm worked in the fields and actually helped out with running things. But eventually, I, uh, I, I started to feel more and more sociable and like a human being, and I ventured out of the dark cave that was my friend's room and started participate, participating in the activities. Now, this intentional community was host to a very diverse group of people given any time of the year and there were lots of hippy dippy woo woo wee new age spiritual folks there there were tons of of books i could get into but the two people who probably had the biggest effect on me were the owners of the farm and i won't use their names for the sake of the podcast because i haven't had permission to and i won't say the name of the farm either but the woman who ran the farm i would wake up in the morning and i would come down before she would go do her yoga and we would drink a cup of coffee and discuss lots of things. We would discuss the universe and the, the meaning of things. We would discuss the occult because while I I'd never necessarily believed in magic wholeheartedly, I had studied magic and different religions and viewpoints throughout the entirety of my life. Even as, an, even as a militant atheist, the subject still entertained me. And if I'm being 100% honest with you, uh, when I was 16 years old reading the Inheritance series, I used to take the magic words from that book, such as Brisinker, and I would write them on paper, take them out into my garden, set an intention, and burn them, though I literally had no idea that what I was doing at that time was magic, and uh, some of the people listening may not see that as such, but after I get through my long diatrobic tale of how I became a fucking wizard with a microphone, I'm going to tell you why that was magic. <laughs> But we would talk about things in the morning and and just discuss things and concepts. We would discuss uh, we would discuss like history and and we talked briefly about Crowley and his Thoth deck. We would talk about the cosmic ramifications of the characters on the TV show Vikings that we were watching at the time. We saw these crazy concepts, and then the the owner of the farm was a man who practiced Reiki, and.
I asked him to do Reiki healing on me one day because I have a super fucked up spine. I have Schurman's kyphosis, and uh, I was in a lot of pain. And I didn't know what I expected, but I, I asked him to do it just because I kind of I, I wanted to see what would happen. And uh, he sat behind me, and he took his thumbs at the the base of my skull and applied a little bit of pressure there, and then he started to wave his hand across my back. And then I felt a white-hot laser go into the center of my spine. This is the only way that I can, I can describe it. It was like a white-hot pinpoint laser in the middle of my spine. And the laser started traveling up and down my lower vertebrae. And with each pass, the pain became less, or became, yeah, became less and less intense. And then my, my back would pop. And now my eyes are closed. I'm sort of being flooded with emotions. But the entire time, I'm maintaining my anchor to reality. And I'm saying, oh, this old man is just barely touching my back with his fingertip and running it up and down. And about the time I had that thought, I heard the old man laugh. I opened my eyes and looked over. He was standing on the opposite end of the room. Not behind me, but I still felt that white-hot laser going up and down my spine and that was the first moment without a doubt I knew that there was something about this man and about Reiki and energy healing that was true I went a few more weeks um, existing on the farm and I had some more fun experiences one time the old man caught me he caught my gaze and I thought we were having a staring contest and then his face started changing he was an Asian man and then a black woman and then it was the strangest thing it was like a, a weird reality ripple or whatever and I thought that I was going crazy until I looked away and another girl who lived on the farm said oh He's changing his faces, isn't he? And I was like, what the fuck? This is the most amazing experience I've ever had in my life. And I started healing spiritually and physically. I started getting in better shape from working on the land. Just all of the negativity in my life up to that point had been transmuted into positivity. And I could look back onto all the bad things that happened in my life and start to appreciate them because they were the jet fuel that rocketed me to the point in time and the point in space in which I currently was in. And for that, I was eternally grateful. Eventually, one day, I braved my anxieties and I traveled up the stairs of the house of the, the occupants of the owners of the farm and I went into the, the room where the old man spent most of his days, which was in the kitchen. And I sat at his table and I... I thanked him and I talked to him about the healing that I had experienced and I told him that all of there was this ball of negativity that I could feel in in my gut and it had been there for as long as I could possibly remember and since coming to the farm that ball had lost density it had become less of a burden. It wasn't constantly causing me discomfort. It was still there, but I could definitely feel this tumor shrinking, this tumor of negativity. And I asked him if he would possibly show me how to do energy work and Reiki. And he took me into the next room. He put two chairs facing each other. We sat down, our knees were touching on the chairs and he put his hands out facing up and 
I put my hands out facing down and he told me to just let the energy flow. Now I keep in mind at the time I had no idea what energy meant or anything. I just sort of equated it with the word vibe and which is just short for vibration. And this is another example of the Tower of Babel and language causing people not to understand things because the truth is it's all the same. Vibes, vibrations, energy, God, oneness, being one. We are all one. The kingdom of heaven being inside you. It's all saying the same shit. Dharma, will, it's the same thing. But because of where we exist on the planet, it's called something else or it's represented by a different symbol. But that does not mean that it isn't the same thing. But once again, I digress. After this initial experience of him teaching me energy work, he continued to teach me things at my time on the farm. And I actually started meditating and I was eating healthy because the food on the farm was biodynamic organic food and it was primarily a vegetarian diet there, although I still, imbi I still imbibed in meat whenever we would go out to eat or whenever my girlfriend would smuggle me a rotisserie chicken and a 12-pack of Mountain Dew on the farm, so I wasn't exactly living as healthy and clean as everybody else, but just the, the steps that I was taking, I saw bountiful results. Now, with meditating and practicing the energy work and, and getting physically fit, my like literally the whole mind body spirit shit was coming together and I was in the best shape I've ever been in my life I was the best looking I'd ever been in my entire life the best feeling and I, I would on occasion sort of forget is how I would describe it like I would I would walk around and I would be able to feel the trees and I could feel each individual tree I could see the energy coming out of the palm of my hands it looked the same as heat on a highway during the summer or the 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 same as the ripples the waves coming off of snow in the winter that is energy in fact that's what the majority of that's what ores look like granted they have different hues and stuff and but but for the most part people's auras look more like the the waveforms coming off of asphalt or snow they don't look like crystalline dragon ball z color fields until you get further into magical practice and can crystallize your aura. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go off on a lot of tangents and I'm trying to steer myself back to the talking points that I wanted to have in this episode, but we're already a half hour in and I'm not even done talking about my fucking stupid experiences. So I apologize. Long story short, I would I would sort of weave in and out of this spiritual feeling like I could hear the trees see the trees feel the trees feel the earth and then every now and then it would be almost like the energy in my body that made me realize I was one with everything would leave and I would be back in the old mindset and the only way that I can describe it now is if you look at the 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 caduceus the the medical staff or the staff of Hermes it is it's a staff with a snake going up either side of it and the only way I could describe it was that my higher self and my physical self were the two snakes climbing the Eucharist. And the points on the, the fucking Eucharist, that's the Catholic cookie, the caduceus. And the points on the caduceus in which the snakes were not intersecting, but there was a, a gap between them and the staff, was when I would feel like my normal self and like 
everything was just fucking science and math, right? But then, at the points of the caduceus which the snakes would intersect and cross each other, those were the moments in which I could commune with my higher self and see reality for more of what it is. I couldn't necessarily pierce the veil, but I could kind of spread it thin enough to make out silhouettes and shapes on the other side. And that eventually, you know, sort of just fell at the wayside for a while, and I sort of forgot about it, and it bounced back. But eventually, I allowed those gaps to mean more than me, than the coherent communication between my higher self and my lower self. And I, I grew angry and bitter, and I eventually left the farm. And when I did that, I just basically left having a home and food and all that stuff into pretty much being homeless and working at McDonald's and couch surfing and everything. But that wasn't even the, the start of things really getting bad. See, during that, I was walking down the street, and this is probably the most profound moment I've ever had in my life. And after this, I'll, I'll stop talking about my experiences and get into magic on a, on a larger scale. I was walking down the street, and I was looking at everything, and I could feel myself experiencing life from my head, right? Like, I could feel myself experiencing a life, and I could feel my soul essentially existing in my brain. And I didn't even have the thought, but all of a sudden, my consciousness shifted from the physical location of my head, where your, my crown chakra is, to my chest. And my perceptions broadened. I could hear the trees again, see the, feel the trees again, rather. I could feel the connection of everything to everything else. And that is where my conscious stayed for a long time. I mean, these are all woo-woo-wee concepts. I'm just describing you the way it felt to me, and I'm using metaphors because that is really the only way to talk about these things, which is why all the holy books are so fucking misinterpreted because, once again, the Tower of Babel, the separation of languages, and fucking metaphors. Like, we, our subconscious mind can't process words and language normally. They can only process symbols, right? Which is why the written word has more meaning than the spoken word and why symbols have such a large effect like the mcdonald's logo is basically a sigil or the wendy's logo having mom written secretly into the neck of wendy to evoke emotions it's all that's just some esoteric occult shit right there like i, I said in my last episode millionaires don't believe in magic and astrology but billionaires believe in magic and astrology and that's because they fucking work, and they're part of the class that's trying to hide all of this knowledge from the fucking lower class peons. And as I said before, magic will work just as much for Jesus as it did for Hitler. So if the poor people find out magic works and they can use it to change their lot in life, of course they're going to do it. So we got to change the history books, we got to change the fucking stories, we got to change the religion, we got to control the flow of this shit so that they don't ever become powerful enough to realize money is just painted cotton constructed by us, time is a relative and doesn't necessarily exist outside the observation of man, and there's no way that time can exist in a linear motion, it's more of a flat circle, but fuck, we can't let them figure that shit out, can we? Because then we lose all the power. But again, I digress. To make this fucking 40 minute long story short enough for me to get a couple fucking minutes of information into the back half of this episode, 
I came to magic through first Christianity, then atheism, then drug addiction, and then Reiki energy healing. And through learning energy work and how to manipulate energy and combining that with the knowledge that everything is just energy moving at varying speeds of vibration, I sort of cracked the code and fell my way into high magic and shit came naturally and I'm not trying to fucking toot my own horn about that I'm just stating my fucking experiences you can believe in magic whether you want to or not fuck it but now I'm going to talk about how magic comes to other people a lot of people start magic through wicca or witchcraft in which they use nature and tools to manifest their own will or energy through those tools and have an outcome that affects reality happen right Ceremonial magic, ritual magic, chaos magic. They are all tools that will do the same job. You just have to find which one works for you. And the most skilled magician can pretty much make something happen without ever having to utter a word or a spell or a phrase. In fact, the only representation of that in media that I can think of is the man in black from the Dark Tower movie where all he has to say is stop breathing and someone doesn't he doesn't have to draw a sigil he doesn't have to fucking wave his hand no nothing on the physical world affects his magic he just exists in his mind in the ethereal world and he takes the energy from that places it into the physical world and something happens that's all magic is magic is taking an image or a vibe or a thought from the ethereal or the subconscious or the collective conscious realm and filtering it through into physical reality. That's all magic is at the end of the day. Now, believe it or not, a lot of people who get into ceremonial magic come into it through H.P. Lovecraft. H.P. Lovecraft has a mythos about Cthulhu and all of that stuff, and in that there is a grimoire written by a man known as the Mad Arab who wrote this the book. It's called the Necronomicon, and it's been fucking in lots of pop culture shit. It even ended up making an appearance in Jason, and the Evil Dead franchise is built around it. But the, the, book, the Necronomicon in the book is a fictional work, right? But... There is another grimoire that was written by an Arab man that is called the Picatrix, and it has to do with star magic in much the same way the Necronomicon of H.P. Lovecraft's works have to do. In fact, they're almost mirrors of each other. The only thing changed are the names of the deities. Um, all of the rituals and stuff line up almost exactly. Now... H.P. Lovecraft was married to a woman who used to be the lover of Aleister Crowley. And there are characters in Lovecraft's books who happen to be in parts of the country that Crowley was in performing rituals Crowley performed at those times. And apparently Lovecraft was a skeptic, didn't believe in anything. He just hated black people and uh, didn't like fat people. You know, that's basically, he and Tesla had that in common. But Lovecraft did not believe in magic whatsoever, which is ironic because he's pushed millions of people into the arms of grimoires because of his works. Now, 
when we think about magic in the world of fiction, we think about Disney, we think about, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, Tolkien, we think about the TV show The Magicians, which, by the way, has, like, the reverse of Christianity. It's got, like, fucking 70% magic and fucking 30% bullshit into it. <laughs> but that's for another episode, another day, maybe another universe, who knows. Um, but in... in in fiction, the way magic is represented, like through Harry Potter and stuff, is in this super fantastical wave your wand and you can transmute a fucking toy car into a castle or something. There's no real causation um, to any of the magic happening, unless you get someone who fleshes out like a really amazing fucking magical system. But it's all pretty unfucking believable and the truth is magic in the real world exists and is powerful but it's much more subtle right it's like imagine we lived in a simulation and life uh we're a game and our higher self we're controlling our avatar but in order to control our avatar our higher self can't directly control what we do but it can affect the environment around us and sort of steer our earthly self or our avatar into doing what its will is, right? That's there's will and dharma coming back into the entire scenario. Later, uh, post-farm and Reiki energy work and all of that, I was I joined the Church of Satan, not the uh, the Luciferian baby murdering Church of Satan, but the Levian Church of Satan, and some of the writings on magic within the literature of the Church of Satan refers to magic ritual as a psychodrama. It is basically you acting out certain things and you know, like muscle memory for your subconscious. Even if these rituals do not have an effect on the physical world, performing these rituals, especially over and over again and communing the same intention to your subconscious will have an effect, even if that effect is just through you. And that is probably the easiest way to think of magic, the most digestible way to think of magic, is that there is an effect. That effect might not be directly from, say, the godhead to the physical plane. It could just be your subconscious getting tuned into the frequency you want to play your life at, I guess, is, is a good way to say it. Tomorrow I'm going to actually get into different types of magic and groups who teach magic or practice magic. Today this was just me talking about my experiences and what I believe. I was gonna I was gonna try to touch it all on one base. We're just gonna do a two part series. Tomorrow will be much more informative and won't just me me rambling on about fucking what I believe or think based on my experiences. But the reason I wanted to do this episode and do episodes on magic is because I think it's something people need to talk about more. It's something that I want to talk about, but unfortunately don't really have people to talk to it about, or I'm too afraid, I guess, to bring it up to certain people because you get ridiculed or laughed at for having these beliefs or believing in anything other than Sky Daddy upstairs shaking his head at you when you masturbate. 
Uh, and I think that's fucked up. I think people should be able to believe and do whatever they want. And I think that there's more... Uh, like, like I, I wouldn't even necessarily say that Christianity in itself is, is wrong or false. I think that Jesus was a real person. I also think Jesus was a magician who was trying to tell people the same things that I am now, that we are God. God exists in us. The kingdom of heaven exists in us. We are fragments of one universal Godhead. And in order to return to ourselves and reform into a gigantic space Voltron, we have to raise the collective vibration of humanity so that every fragment of the Godhead remembers who it is. And then we will bust out through this prison system and reabsorb the Archons and the Demiurge into the fucking Godhead. That's what I believe. And I believe Christianity is a part of that because Gnosticism was first born as a Christian heresy. And they would basically reinterpret the Gospels and they would try to tweak them because, like, one of the reasons, the Bible, the way that it was written, they had all these books, all these stories on the Bible, and all the people who were deciding what got put into it, all these priests, said, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put all of these books on the floor. We're going to leave and lock the door. When we come back in the morning, God will take the books he wants us to put into the Bible and stack them on the table. They all leave. They come back in the morning. There are all of the books that currently exist in our Bible are stacked on the table. The rest of the apocryphal books and the Dead Sea Scrolls and shit were all on the floor. So they said, okay, God must want us to do this. But for some reason, no one thought, who had a key? Who had a key to unlock that door? Because that guy probably came and fucking moved some books around. No one thought like that because it was all on blind faith. Except for the most powerful person, which is a key. And power abhors a vacuum. So even if you take out the head of the snake, there'll be another head popping right back up like some sort of fucking theological hydra. There's nothing you can do about it except for raise the collective vibration of the human race. But the majority of humans aren't ready for that. The majority of woke humans who believe... I'm not even saying that I'm woke or spiritual. I know what's going on. I just know that as a collective race, we need to try to tune into that harmonic frequency and fucking bump ourselves up a level. Uh, I don't know if that'll happen in our lifetime or in my daughter's lifetime or in the lifetime of humanity. Even I don't know if humans will be the beings that ascend and bust out of this energetic prison. And if I'm being honest with you, I can't promise you it'll ever happen. I can't promise you that we won't stop incarnating in this endless cycle of death and rebirth. Who knows, whenever they develop the singularity in AI, maybe our souls will just transfer to that new medium. Before I leave, however, I want to uh, leave you with what I, the thoughts I had on magic pre all of this experience and, and actually practicing it and whatnot. And that is that Earth that we live on has always had frequencies, wavelengths flowing throughout it, the Wi-Fi frequencies, the radio frequencies, the cell phone frequencies, the TV frequencies. Those frequencies and wavelengths were here long before human beings. They were just flowing through the sky, cosmic radiation. We took things, whether that be radio, TV, internet, cell data, and injected them in to those waveforms. We clogged up 
those waveforms with TV, internet, stuff like that. And I, I used to think that perhaps magic used to travel through that, that the waveform that carry television and radio used to be the way that magic could flow around the globe and people could access it. And now, because it's clogged up with all of the information, and internet, and radio and stuff, that people can't access it as easily. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I sort of still believe that's part of the reason that it's not prevalent, though magic has made a comeback in the sense that there are more Wiccans and neo-pagans now, at least coming out of the closet, than there's ever been. You know, the paradigm has most definitely shifted away from Christianity. Even Christians aren't necessarily Christians. I remember when I was like 16, there was this video going around saying, what if I told you that I hate Christianity, but I love Jesus or some shit like that, or I hate the church or love God. That's a bit more progressive as far as I'm concerned. These people who say they have a relationship with Christ, that's more, that's better, I guess, than the old fucking slaughtering everyone in the crusade paradigm or the diddling kids paradigm of Catholicism, you know? But I think that any one religion or one theology or one magical practice or one way of viewing the world isn't going to change anything. It's when we can combine all of the similarities of every lens, when we can melt down all of the lenses to look at the world through into one giant fucking telescope lens. That is when we will see the truth. And I don't know if that'll ever happen, like I said. But I've, I've just pretty much been bitching and moaning and whining and just rambling for about an hour now. And I apologize for that tomorrow. I'll do another episode on magic, and I'll, I'll try to stick to the uh, stick to the books, so to speak. And I'll actually talk about people who are famous and actually matter to the masses about their magical journey and stuff. We'll probably talk about Crowley, Helen Blavatsky. We'll probably talk about you know rock and roll and the history of magic and that. We'll talk about movies and we'll talk about all of the occult symbolism in Hollywood. All that shit tomorrow. Today was pretty much just about my magical journey, and I'm sorry that I jerked my own ego off all over this microphone for you guys today, but hopefully you've gained some insight into the mind of your host, and uh, I hope you guys you guys enjoyed it, and if you didn't, let me know. Hit me up. Hit me up. Go with either the Scumbags and Scumbaggots Facebook page, or email me at scumbagdiaries underscore fuck, scumbag underscore diaries at hotmail.com. And uh, if you guys enjoyed the show and you would like to support us, you can support us most by sharing the podcast with your friends on Facebook or however the fuck you want to share it. Send them a text message with a link. I don't give a fuck. Just get people to come and listen, and then that will in turn give me more ad revenue. I do not make a lot off of the ads, but if more people listened, I would, and I could possibly get more advertisers and if you would like to directly contribute to the podcast financially you can send money to us through cash app at cash app scumbag diaries we've actually had a couple people in the past send some money in shout out to you guys i appreciate that a great deal times are kind of hard right now i've been out of work for like three weeks and i'm just now starting to feel the effects of that really i'm gonna have to upload this podcast using my phone's hotspot because the internet got cut off today we have like food and groceries and stuff like that but we're starting to have to cut back on the creature comforts of existing and if some of you people are like chris why don't you just fucking draw a sigil or use magic to better your lot in life and to tell you the truth i could i have before it would probably be really easy but uh you can't just 
put in cheat codes all the time, man. Sometimes you got to put in a little work, put out a podcast, see if people like it enough to give you money. And honestly, as far as I'm concerned, isn't that in itself using magic? Isn't manipulating the world in any way, form, or fashion using magic? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe I'm a crazy person begging for money on the internet. Who fucking knows what lens to look at life through? I certainly don't. But all I do know is you should love everyone. Everyone love everyone. And in the words of the immortal Bill Hicks, it's just a ride. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.